Welcome to Ellas, a bi-weekly podcast made by Latinas for Latinas. We talk with talented, inspiring, and empowering women that are living their dreams and making a path for the next generation. I'm Brenda Hernandez. And I am Brenda DeShazer. And this is Ellas. Welcome to Ellas, our first episode. And today we have Vivian Ramirez, a young Latina writer, and we're so happy to have her. Yes. Thank you. And we wanted on this episode to focus on Vivian's writing, obviously her upbringing and her professional career as a writer. Yeah. Who is Vivian and how does she come to be? who she is great today. Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> um, I was born and raised in LA okay. and I am the daughter of immigrant Mexican parents. Um, I grew up in South Central. Uh, I grew up spe- speaking Spanish and um, I learned to speak English when I was like seven or eight, but I always was fascinated by writing and English and language. In fact, when I was little, I would, like, pretend I knew how to speak English. Oh. I would just, like, say gibberish. And I was just, like, talking to myself. Um, so I've always loved language. Um, and uh, after that, I, um, I, uh, I went to East LA College for a little bit for some of my undergrad. And I graduated from Whittier with a BA in English mm-hmm. um, a few years ago. And I've been writing ever since. Nice. So. It's funny you say, like, the gibberish thing, because I do that with, like, other languages. Like, I wish I knew how to speak French in Italian. (laughs) And I'm like, I I can't do it right now. I'll be really embarrassed. But (laughs) I would do the same thing. That's really funny. Yeah. So you always loved writing. And what kind of inspired you to take on that route of writing and, you know, just studying English? That's a good question. Um, I don't think there was a definitive moment. Uh, I think... Growing up, where I did uh, South Central, it was so, it was kind of tough for me because I was surrounded, I was in an environment that was violent, um, where expectations aren't very high of you, Um, even in school, like I was never an honors kid or anything. Um, So when I started to read, I realized that reading was a great outlet for me and it was a great way for me to get away. So I wanted to capture my own experience and I started keeping a journal when I was about eight and just, I don't know, writing all the thoughts that an eight-year-old had and um, making up little stories. I had a very vivid imagination. Um, So I think that kind of sparked it for me. Mm -hmm. And then in college, I was a staff writer for ELAC Campus News. I was also a features editor. So I learned how to um, collaborate in in a writing environment, how mm. to edit other people's work, um, how to tell a story. And then I wrote a piece that was recognized by the president of our college. And I Ooh. that was like the first time I felt like, wow, like writing can make a difference for people. And I mostly chose stories that were focused on like the California budget and okay. Um, because those would affect, that would affect how students were able to get like Cal grants and mm-hmm. how they would be able to pay for school. People who are really dependent on these, these government subsidies to go to college. Um, so I wanted to educate people on 
like real political issues that are tough to comprehend to comprehend yeah yeah and just kind of make them uh condense oh. them yeah nice mm-hmm. and while you were in school and studying and can you talk us talk to us more about your experience in you know the newspaper how was that in terms of you know being a young latina and not having that maybe support from your high school or i guess from your community on going to taking on that career path yeah yeah totally um so in east l.a college i I feel very lucky there was a really great community there um writing i think is definitely something that my peers struggled with a lot growing up um english just grammar um so i mean to me it wasn't um it wasn't too difficult but that's just because i i I would read regularly i would Mm -hmm. write regularly Mm. um and i was lucky to have a really great professor at elac who was had a had a lengthy career as a journalist um and just i don't know i think when you're in an environment with where, where people are into it and they're just excited about it and excited about writing um a lot of really great things happen and a lot of the people i was in the paper with are professional journalists now so wow that's amazing yeah that's so cool Mm -hmm. so now you have like those connections as well from yeah it's really Mm -hmm. nice to see them posting on facebook like i just made it to the la times today Mm -hmm. like my first la times article Mm -hmm. and it's just it makes me really happy to see them. I would totally succeed. be fangirling. Like, I know that person. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right, let me buy a paper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Frame it. Yeah. And you mentioned the t- um, you, that you focused on the uh, topics that were affecting students that, you know, depended on this subsidy in order to pay for their school. And I just really want to talk based on that topic, especially now we've we um, both, I imagine, heard the college admission scandals. Oh, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so as, you know, a min- minority, us three are, you know, we have many obstacles towards when applying for schools. And while you were investigating and looking through those news, what were the main things that you found while writing about that? Like... Um, I feel like the people making the decisions to either fund or cut budgets are never really the people, like they don't reflect the people that benefit from those decisions. So Mm -hmm. I think there's a disconnect between the students who are working class, who are immigrant, um, who have to work and go to school at the same time and the people who are making decisions for them. And it's just like, it, it almost makes no sense to me whenever it made no sense when I was reading about these budget cuts and things like that for, for schools and education. It's like, why would you, why would you do that? Like, and they would just make, um, like GPA requirements higher and higher to the point where you have to be pretty much a straight A student to even get some Cal grants. Um, and it's like, well, you can have a brilliant student who is maybe, um, I don't know, mostly B student, but you also have to take into account, like they're working 40 hours a week and then going to school in the afternoon. So I just didn't see those two groups kind of representing each other. Mm -hmm. And only one group was the one that was really affected. 
So that was always disappointing to me. Yeah. And I think seeing that scandal, you know, coming to light and for me, it's not really shocking, but it's like, oh, <laughs> this is actually really happening. And, you know, hopefully these people go to jail for it. But yeah. So after your time in college, what made you decide to take the route of or tell us about your route after yeah. college. After college? Mm-hmm. Well, it was um, it was not a very linear path okay. to where I am today. I worked at Starbucks. I was working food service mm-hmm. um, when I was in college and when I was when I graduated with my bachelor's. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I wasn't able to because I had to work and go to school. I wasn't able to get internships while I was in college. So it, it was a little tough for me to find a job. I eventually got an internship after college for a marketing company, and I got a lot of experience there. Um, I learned a lot about SEO and writing for different clients, and um, it was it was great. It was cool. Um, it was not paid. Oh no! <laughs> so I had to. It's like I had to subsidize my internship with like other jobs. I had yeah. to work two other jobs oh so that God. I can afford. To have an internship, which was really tough. Yeah, like when do you sleep? Because like on top yeah. of having an internship that's supposed to help you further your career that you want to go into, it's yeah. like now I have to supplement and do two other jobs on top of going to school. Totally, like, girl, I did not sleep. <laughs> just sleep when you're sleep dead. Did it's... not exist. <laughs> yeah, so I was there for like six months, mm-hmm. and after that, um, I also had another internship at around the same time, and that was for an electronic components distributor, and that was in Orange County. Um, so I was there for about a year. I want to say I was a copywriter and I worked on their website and writing brochures for like trade shows and things like that. And then after that company, I went into fashion where I met Brenda. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was a copywriter there as well. And I was just writing product copy for clothing and accessories and writing editorial banners and things like that for people that um because i just learned what a copywriter was because brenda was telling me and um explaining to me can you explain what a copywriter does or what they what it is yeah a copywriter a lot of people call us um salesmen in print (laughs) yeah pretty much it's a writer who writes uh copy is like um text or it's depending on the product product that you're writing about that's in this case we both were writing copy for clothes so it's depending describing the clothing very detailedly or depending on the yeah so it's basically just a writer who writes for a product or a service and you promote that yeah yeah so you're like enticing the buyer like this is all the great stuff about this product or like these are all the details completely about this product right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah exactly okay cool we're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Every yeah. ad that you see, maybe, or listening to, it's yeah. that a copywriter wrote that. Yeah. It's Vivian out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a bunch of us, yeah. I'm like, uh, when I heard that, I was like, oh, so you're the one that's making me spend money online. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, it's not my fault. <laughs> you guys are doing yeah. a great job, yeah. though. Yeah. <laughs> and so after we met, mm-hmm. you decided to change industries 
I did, yeah. So it was um, after. So when I was thinking about leaving um, that fa- that first fashion company that I worked for, I was interviewing for other fashion companies, and I decided then and there that I did not want to work in fashion anymore because I think my values just changed as a person. I want to. I'm focused a lot less now on buying things, and when I was a copywriter. Um, for that specific kind of company, I didn't really feel great about myself at the end of the day. Like I'm writing such um, consumer, consumerist heavy um, content and it's encouraging people to buy, buy, buy. And, and like not to diss anyone who does that, but it just wasn't for me anymore. It didn't give me any satisfaction. Mm-hmm. So I um, I ended up as a technical writer. So now... I use my writing to teach people how to use software um, and how to help them kind of get out of a pickle that they might have gotten themselves in while using it. So I think that gives me, on a, on a personal level, it gives me a lot of um, joy. I mean, I, I can't work for myself. I, I don't have my own business, but I think if I'm going to spend eight hours a day, um, you know, every day for the next x amount of years that i'm working i want it to be something meaningful yeah, yeah like helping people rather than like making them spend their money and like supporting i guess like i came from retail before my job now mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, i knew that i didn't want to be there anymore because mm-hmm. i was like i felt like i was supporting people's greed especially when it was like during um holiday season and like i love christmas uh-huh. but retail kind of killed it for oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> it was like why don't you have this like, I don't know, like yeah. those LOL dolls or something like that. Oh, and I'm right, like, yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah. and apparently it was all my fault that I, it was out of stock. I don't mm-hmm. know. Oh, so. No. Oh, no. <laughs> so I definitely feel you on that. Yeah. Um, so for a technical writer, I was truly trying to figure out what is a technical writer. So I'm glad you gave me like a, <laughs> a description of it. So is it like, um, I don't know, I guess if like something goes wrong with your computer, you're there and you're like kind of coaching them through it. Or is it like, uh, like you write the manual for like, a new laptop or something like that? Or what is a technical, well, to deep dive into it? Yeah, in a general sense, technical writing is, um, any writing that is technical. Um, (laughs) So yeah, like whenever you buy furniture at Ikea and you get those little papers and it tells you how to put a bookshelf together, like that's what a technical writer writes. Okay. It's very, it's a very specific kind of writing. It's very concise. It's stripped down and it's just literally what, the user or the the reader needs to achieve a task. Okay. So that makes sense. Yeah. I'm glad you gave me that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But so you would do that for like a, a technical company or not a technical company, a software. Yeah. So I work at a software company and uh, we make PDF editing software for the AEC industry, which is architecture, engineering, and construction. And um, yeah, it's, it's a great, a great software um a lot of people use it and what i do is i manage the support site for it or i'm one of the people who manages it nice i'm part of a team of yes, technical girl. writers yeah. <laughs> um and i write articles for um users i write how-to articles like how to use a certain tool within the software um i write troubleshooting articles so like if a user gets stuck doing something or like their screen is blue what do i do now (laughs) like things like that and so i would write that content and i upload it to the support site and i also um 
make sure that it gets localized, which is translated. Mm. So we have content that is in about, in about five other languages aside from English. So we send those out to translators and just make sure that the right articles get translated and that international users um, have access to that content as well. I personally want to thank you because I'm definitely that person where my like my stuff goes blue and it's like what happened. Yeah. <laughs> so I definitely use all those Me how to. Too. I, always, I always Google for sure. Yeah, like I'm a millennial. I feel like I should know this technical stuff, but it's I'm, a, I'm no, an old it's soul. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, your articles are basically like we were talking about this before the the show. Like, let's say you have trouble using your new iPhone, and then you Google how to use my new iPhone x10 whatever Mm -hmm. and then your article would appear and then one would read it and know how to use their new iphone basically yeah yeah exactly awesome and now that you know we're talking about you know technical writing you know vivian and i know each other from our past job and we start you invited me to a writing workshop you can say yeah yeah Yeah, it's like a workshop a workshop and i want to talk about that a little more Mm -hmm. um you are now well you started to write your script and we're not gonna you know go into details because you know we don't want to spoil that but (laughs) i want to know like what inspired you to go into that route um what was the the thing that inspired you to you start writing your script it's kind of a it's kind of a passion project um so i have a friend who is a film composer and um he does a lot of a lot of cool movies so i was just kind of talking to him one day and he's like have you ever tried to do screenwriting and i was like no i've never i've never really tried like that's not i don't, I don't know if it's for me mm-hmm. um and he's like, why not? I think I think you'd make a great uh, screenwriter. So I, I just, I don't know. He, he's planted the seed into my head. And I think... You're like, maybe I can be a great screenwriter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like sometimes all that we need is a little nudge. Like someone to encourage you or to just give you and like, like to believe in you and just say, I think you can do it. And um, so, yeah, that kind of sparked my interest in screenwriting. Uh, I mean, I like movies. I like TV shows. Um, so I started reading a lot of scripts. It's very different than the other writing I do, which is fiction, um, just short stories, short fiction. Um, and I, I really like it. So I started to uh, find time in my day. So that's when I started to go to that workshop called Shut Up and Write. And I would go with Brenda um, occasionally. Occasionally, yeah. And it was just, uh, it was just an hour long. And it was just like dedicate this one hour to writing about anything you want to write about and i thought that was great um yeah yeah i feel like um before this podcast me and vivian were talking about like writing in general and um i've been looking at articles and it was saying like you need to write every day even though you don't feel like writing you need to write every day um so and then that's cool that you went to uh the writing workshop because it kind of pushes you like accountability in a sense yeah that makes you like, oh, shoot, like I'm going to this workshop. I don't have anything. Let me start writing yeah. <laughs> or something. That's really cool. Yeah. So and it's nice, too, because whenever I sit down, I don't know where I'm going to end up. And that's, I think, a very great thing about writing. Um, you don't know where it's going to take you. 
Yeah, because, wow, that's so cool. Because it kind of goes back to what you first told us when we first started. Like, you use books as, like, kind of an outlet and kind of, like, got lost in it. Mm -hmm. And now, like, the table has turned around where you're that person that's helping people, like, get lost into this fantasy world or get lost into Mm -hmm. this story. Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I believe in you, girl. You got this. And what type of advice would you give to someone, you know, a young Latina that wants to, you know, begin writing or, you know, maybe their book or be a journalist or be a copywriter or be a screenwriter? What's that little, I guess, nudge that you would give them? I think a lot of it is very male dominated. A lot of writing, Um, whether it's fiction, like the great books or Hollywood all the major screenplays and it's all very it's all very male it's all very white Mm -hmm. so I think it's intimidating to to be the only Latina at times at least it is for me or to walk into like a writer's room and you're the little oddball little you know odd one out yeah it's noticeable when you walk into a room and you're the only like brown woman (laughs) like yeah two sides of it like I'm only like the person of color in this room but I'm also like the only female in this room (laughs) yeah um all those things English as a second language Mm -hmm. um your last name is like like my last name is Ramirez so what is that like how does that look on a book like are people going to want to read my book because it has um Uh, are they going to think that it's a Chicano book only like mm -hmm. is that all I can do or so, I mean, what I, advice I would say is just don't give up and, and fake it till you make it, I guess, because mm-hmm. no one knows what you're capable of doing other than yourself. You got to show it. Write yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, it's good that we're talking about, you know, being in, walking into a room and you being the only Latina. Can you talk, tell us about those obstacles that you've encountered because you know, you're a Latina and you're a woman and how you overcame them? Yeah, so in most of my jobs, I've always been the minority. Um, it, it was, um, yeah, I mean, even from my first internship, it was, I was the only Latina person there. Um, and except for, like, the cleaning people. Um, mm. it, that, it's always been, like, the only other Latinos in the building are, like, the cleaning ladies. So I think, I mean, it's, it made me proud on one hand, like, this is great. Like I never thought I would, I would get here. Like I'm representing and I feel like I'm doing, I'm showing people that Latinos have like a very rich culture and that we're very intelligent and we're professional. On the other hand, it made me very sad that there weren't more Latinas, um, in those positions. And I mean, they weren't even like high positions or anything. It's just like just being in that company and just having that representation. Um, so, um, in terms of obstacles, I mean, I think one of my interviews, I I was looking for a job and I was interviewing for a marketing company and it was, um, it was a Mexican marketing company, but they had a, an LA office. It was a satellite office. Mm. And when the guy was interviewing me, um, and this is, this is like, like these are Latino people. So it's even amongst Latinos that this can happen. Yeah. He was like, well, I don't know, like our audience here is, is very, like we're trying to appeal to Americans. Like, are you stressed Americans? (laughs) Yeah. Like middle aged, middle class white men. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
he was just kind of asked me over and over, like, are you sure you can relate to that demographic? Like, are you, like, have you had enough experiences with, like, so that, that really kind of, um, yeah, no, my blood is boiling. Like, <laughs> yeah, that upset me. Like, and I was, how many times are you going to ask me? Are you sure? Like, yeah. yes, I'm sure. Like, how many times I have to tell yeah. you? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I had a portfolio. Um, I know that I could have done the job. Um, maybe there was someone else who was better than me, but I just felt like in that situation, um, I was not like, he didn't have enough confidence in me to do a job because of maybe what I look like. And maybe I'm a little shy. I'm a little soft spoken, but like I had a book, like, I mean, the writing speaks for itself. Mm -hmm. Like I have my book with me. You can just flip through all this stuff and you like, there's your answer. So I I realized I didn't really want to work for that kind of employer anyway. Um, so it's, it's two, it's twofold. Um, I think on one hand it's like being Latino and just having like a, like just, yeah, just being a person of color. And then, um, on the other hand, it's being a woman and it's, yeah. So it's hard. And when I met Vivian, um, I remember being coming home and then, you know, you know, telling my friends and then my family was like, Oh, you know, you were so helpful into helping me, you know, go in and take that role. And I, now that you were saying how you were sad that you didn't see more Latinas with you, I kind of felt that, you know, you, you put me under your wing in a way, and then you just showed me the ropes and that you informed me of everything. And I really appreciate that. And I feel like more Latinas more Latinos should be doing that. You know, once you see someone like you, you know, working in the same environment, just take them under your wing and, you know, show them the steps or like, you know, like making them feel comfortable where they are. And I really saw, you know, I really felt that when I was working with you. Yeah, I I really believed in you. I thought you were way too good to be working there, to be honest. (laughs) I'm like, she's way too good for this job. But I really wanted you to succeed. Um, I've been in positions where someone has deliberately not trained me on something because they don't want me to be as valuable or it would make them less valuable. Mm -hmm. So then I could do like if I can do things that they can do, I would be a threat to their job somehow. And I I really don't want to. Yeah. Like straight up. I've been. She was talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird that um, uh, Brenda was talking about. Maybe you could talk about it more um, about that like threat. Like, yeah. it's weird that you feel like someone else feels threatened by you. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, for, like, why? There's no reason. So, I mean, I think in our situation, Brenda, it was a little different because yeah. I was leaving and you were going to be my replacement. But still, like, I could have been, like, well, like, whatever. Oh, yeah. I don't like this company anymore. So I'm going to make your life harder by not telling you everything. And, no, I, I just, I feel like I wanted to encourage you and support you. And I wanted you to do well. Yeah. so beautiful yeah. <laughs> yeah and then you were saying yeah that's that's really true how like we face like people are faced with other individuals that are just scared that you might take their job away and i feel that's really common in the latino community not even in higher positions you know it can be in cleaning restaurant or like like service like in every type of position it's really big and it's really sad that you know a lot of people are you know scared that if i show you the ropes or 
you know, are aware of what things that you need to do, you're going to take their job away from that. Yeah. So do you think it's like a, a thing because like I'm the only Latino here and like if you get better than me then you're going to be like the greater like latino or mm. is it just like <laughs> so, I don't know. like there's like in terms of like i'm talking about like mexico there's a saying like about crabs like mexicans are like if you put crabs in in a bucket and you try to get out the crab's going to pull you down oh so i don't know it's it's really weird i think a lot of people people don't like y'all in the same bucket why are you deploying each other down yeah and especially and if they see a woman that is trying to do more than or just do the things that you're doing and like they can't handle that i guess it's like a lot of it's all the layers of problems like machismo Mm -hmm. and then just Yeah, but I I also feel like even, like, say that you're a Latino and you get into a great school or you land a great job, there's always that little bit of, like, are they just the affirmative action Latino? Are they just the token minority here? So even then, I would feel Mm -hmm. like I had to almost, like, prove myself, like, prove my worth. Like, I deserve to be here because I'm talented, not just because I'm a minority. Yeah, like, we're just adding you to our list because we need more minorities or yeah. like you only got accepted to the school because you're a minority yeah. or something like that. Yeah, that, that upsets me, but I think that's very real too. Yeah, you demonstrated with your work, I guess. And like, I, going back to that ad- scandal, admission scandal, Brenda's really upset about this. I am really upset about this. I I think you should be. Yeah. (laughs) And like how people would make you feel because you were, oh, you're just another affirmative action student. Yeah. And people don't question the students that are in those schools because their parents donated money to a certain building or they helped, you know, their friends with the people in the, you know, tables that accept all these students. Like, Aren't they questioned why they're there? Yeah, right. It's like the same that I'm questioned of like, I did my hard work. I didn't like donate any money or anything, but I'm here and I got my spot fair and share. But like, I'm being questioned of like, why I'm here type of thing. Yeah, it's it's really frustrating as a minority that you do, you know, more work than them. Mm-hmm. because you go to school you work and then you take those classes yeah. you do sports because you have you basically have to be a very successful 18 year old mm-hmm. in order to go to college yeah and then you're questioned as to you're not no 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 you're just because you're latino yeah you got yeah, accepted like, token, like yeah, yeah that's all i knew and i would have been doing like <laughs> all these ap courses or like all those sports what the hell <laughs> yeah i think i think it depends on the college you go to also like elac East LA College was very, I mean, a lot of immigrants go there, a lot of working class people go there. Then I went to Whittier College, which is a private school, and it was totally different. Like, I felt like my career counselor was very tone deaf. I mean, I was talking to her once, and she's like, you really need to get an internship if you're going to take, like, your career seriously. Like, you need to get an internship. And I'm like, I I don't, like, I can't afford to do one because I go to school full time. I work part time. Like, I never have any free time to take an unpaid internship. And she was, like, she just didn't really get that. She didn't she didn't understand because most of the kids there, the students, like, come from, come from wealthier families mm-hmm. and families who pay their tuition and they don't have to work. And she just didn't really 
um, yeah, she didn't really uh, understand. Yeah, she didn't, she didn't get where I was coming yeah. from. Like, I have to pay for gas. I have to pay for textbooks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't think she works there anymore. <laughs> I like the smile. Like, oh, thank God. Yeah. yeah, I mean. Yeah. So you would, you, you would say, going back to, like, that little, you know, nudge to young Latinas, to go on and, like, keep working harder and, you know, ignoring all the things that other people are trying to say in order for them to stop or not go on. Yeah, I mean, I think the toughest thing will just be, like, um, I think for me, it was just being intimidated, um, being in a room of people who were, like, just a little culturally different than myself. And, like, sometimes I want to take, uh, like, beans for lunch. Like, am I going to be made fun of? Or am yes. I going to be, like, can I do that? Is that too is that too Mexican? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, just be yourself. Um, show up on time. Dress well. Um, and introduce yourself to people and just have a professionalism about you because, I mean, I think that's the only thing that they'd really have to worry about because, I mean, they can do the job, I'm sure. It's just the other part. It's the politics of the mm -hmm. office that are tough. Yeah. So. What I love about Vivian's story is, um, how it stuck with me that you said you love the English uh, language so much. And I'm like, damn, like from everybody or from most people that I hear from, they say that the English language is so hard to learn and like so hard to like write about, especially because there's so much like technical stuff like commas and like present and past participles and like there's other like names that I don't even remember anymore mm. from like eighth grade. <laughs> but like the fact that you, your first primary language is not English, yeah. but like you like worked so hard for it now that you're like a professional writer in English. Mm -hmm. Like it's such a, cool accomplishment that you set out for yourself thank you yeah yeah it's pretty nice you should be really proud of yourself <laughs> girl. Oh, yeah Man. i love what i do and what advice would you give to your younger younger self knowing what you know today and all that you lived through um i would say uh, be flexible and always open to change i think i had a very specific idea of where i would be now i'm 28 years old and I thought, oh, I'd probably have a master's degree by now. I'd be okay. doing this and this and this. Uh, none of that happened. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, in the best possible way, it didn't happen. And I didn't end up at the school I thought I would end up. So it's just, yeah, li life happens when you're making other plans. So just don't, don't bank on that too much and just accept change, be open to your journey. And if you don't end up where you think you're, you're going to end up or you thought you would end up, that's okay. You'll find life goes on um, and you'll find meaning in your work in a different way. I'm like looking at her that's... with heart eyes. I'm like, wow, that's Aww. so nice. <laughs> I needed that. That My soul needed that. Yeah, I needed that too. Yeah. I think every, every guest is like, oh. like wow. Yeah, <laughs> so That's so true. And it's so true, you know. You, you always think like, oh, my life is going to be like this. I have to do this. And then it doesn't turn out that way. You just have to go on. Yeah. Just, and sometimes yeah. you feel bad about it. But then it's like, but I really want this new passion. And like, it's okay to go that new passion or that new yeah. route. Yeah. So. so. Thank you so much, Vivian. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my gosh. We loved having you. I had a great you. time talking having you. you. And maybe we can come back and talk about a little more about your maybe projects once it's 
once they're done yeah. oh my god please come back mm-hmm. after it's done I guess I gotta do it now. It's, uh, yeah, you, you're holding me accountable. Yes. I have to. Yes, you have to come back. It's like your fifth layer of like a uh, nudge or a push. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yes, thank you so much, Vivian, for coming in, um, out and talking to us. Thank you. And if is there like a social media where people can follow you? Maybe if you're open to like if one of our listeners has questions <laughs> for you in terms of writing or yeah. anything you want to shout out at all. Yeah, I'm on Instagram. That's like the most social media you'll get out of me um, and it's at it. vivian doing stuff so you can follow my life it's very exciting <laughs> <laughs> you you go to a lot of um good places for like you know in terms of food oh yeah thanks. yeah <laughs> oh, okay so i'm for sure like stalk you now <laughs> yeah, cool, cool. <laughs> thank you vivian for coming to this episode and talking about rewriting and thank you for listening to another episode of as Join us again for another episode in two weeks. And follow us on Instagram at Aegis the Podcast. That is E-L-L-A-S, the podcast. And want to be on our show or have a question for us and for future guests? Drop us an email at podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, we are your hosts, Brenda DeShazer. And I'm Brenda Hernandez. Ellas is co-hosted by Brenda DeShazer and me, Brenda Hernandez. Thanks to our editor and producer, D.F. DeShazer II. And thank you to Shro, who created our theme song. This is Ellas. Cool. Cool. Yes. Yes. Okay.